Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Dr. Jeremy Wise here, host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. Past guests include David Allen of Getting Things Done, Michael Gerber of The E-Myth, and many, many more. Check out other episodes. Before I introduce today's guests, uh, this episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. So have you ever, both of you may be able to relate to this, if you would have team members ask you the same questions over and over, and it may be the 10th time you spent explaining it, there is a better way. There is a solution. Sweet Process is actually a software that makes it drop dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. And not only, I was talking to the owner, Owen, not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use it, but first responder government agencies use them in life or death situations to run their operations. So Sweet Process, you can document all the repetitive tasks they eat up your precious time. You can focus on growing your team. You can sign up for a free 14-day trial. No credit card is required. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T, process.com. I am excited to have today's guest. We have Dr. Salathi and Alex Jacks. Uh, they run the dentist off Main, and Alex Jacks is the office manager. Dr. Salathi is the head dentist, and you have an incredible story. Dr. Salafi, and um, you were born in Russia, emigrated with your family when you were just eight years old. You left on a quest to Israel for a future that would allow for religious freedom. And your grandfather was actually imprisoned and held by the KGB for many years for fighting for basic civil rights. And your family, I know, is forever indebted to the Amnesty International for eventually rescuing you from refugee status and bringing your family to the United States. And um, your family eventually settled in the small town of Malala, Oregon. And during high school years, you worked in a local dental office and eventually became a dental assistant. And you then purchased your first dental practice from Dr. Puffer, which was your former high school job employer. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you for having us, Jeremy. Thank you. So tell me about your grandfather. Yeah, I, uh, I'm the oldest of, I think, 34 grandchildren. So I definitely, um, I'm the one that remembers the most of it. I was eight when we came here to the States and yeah, he was an amazing man that just always strived for, um, learning and growing and always told me, Alisa, be careful. Um, don't believe anybody just because they say something, do your research, know your facts and, um, you know, stand, stand up for what is right. And so I feel like I had a really good role model in that sense, always taught us to work hard and shoot for the moon and the stars. And we really never thought we would end up in the US of A. And we were we left the Soviet Union at the time to go to Israel. And upon our, our quest ended up being about four months long. We were refugees going through is, um, Europe. And here we are. So I think some of my, uh, the people, uh, people 
passion, you know, uh, dreams that I have um, in that regard come from him, stem from him, and just never giving up on people. And yeah, that's where I, I want to, you know, talk about the refugee camp actually and what that was like. But what was he fighting for? Uh, you know, um, he actually um, was an atheist until he was 28. He belonged to the Communist Party. He traveled the railroads and he delivered uh, kind of communist propaganda. And at some point, he uh, realized that all of what he was trying to instill in others um, started to doubt that. And at that time, um, after World War II, two of his sisters were, were actually in a um, captured by the Germans and ended up spending some time in a concentration camp. We didn't even know this part of it until we came to the States, but um, they became believers and um, he he wanted to prove them wrong. So he read the Bible and he, you know, became a believer and left the party and but because he was an educated man and he really believed that your family, our family should be able to teach our children, you know, the basics of faith uh, or maybe no faith. Um, and that wasn't something that you were allowed to have. Um, you weren't even allowed to own property, a home, and you had to register. So he started an underground church. But more than that, it wasn't just that he was doing something illegal. Um, in their eyes, he just wrote letters. He spoke up and just what was happening in the schools, within medical offices, within everyday interactions and how people were treated. And he started writing the U.S. government. He started writing Italy, um, Israel. And uh, it took years uh, after being in present. He was watched. My mom was six when that happened. Um, my grandma was in the hospital and uh, my mom was hiding in their outhouse when they came and ransacked their home. And he got taken to a, what's called a gulag or like a, a, a prison up in Siberia. And he went through a lot of um, experimental things. Uh, he lost his vision because of that. And there's Does just, he talk about that? What happened? He has since passed. He passed away my third year of mm -hmm. dental school, but Sorry to hear that. Uh, he, oh, he, he would be so proud of all that our family has accomplished. Uh, but yeah, he, he talked about it to me and uh, I was in my twenties when he passed uh, every year. I felt like he would reveal more and more of what had happened, um, but definitely very careful, very like me doing this podcast. He would probably say, Alyssa, be careful of where this is going to end up. And so he's really, um, I think that's the piece that I really took away as a kid was these relationships, uh, our family, our friends, our communities are the most important. And we rely on each other and we support one another. And uh, yeah, so those are just the basic rights of yeah. uh, believing, ownership, you know, uh, and uh, yeah. I appreciate you sharing it because listen, you know, we all take things for granted. And when you talk about this stuff, it's just stuff we take for granted. We have a freedom in the United States and we can say what we want uh, most of the time and the social media will, will carry that through. So your grandfather is very smart, you know, because you never know where things are going to end up, especially with social media in today's day and age. But 
But the reality is, you know, the journey people took to have these basic rights, what, what everyone should have these rights for, right? Like people like your grandfather who fought for those things when it wasn't assumed, right? And, and totally appreciate that. Um, and then you um, then came to the U.S. when you were eight and you went through the refugee camp. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what was that like? Well, when you left at the time, uh, it was still Soviet Union, you had to give up your citizenship. So you became stateless. The only way you could leave the Soviet Union, and it was really through Gorbachev and his perestroika, and um, that it really opened up that door. And Grandpa was actually one of six men that really was instrumental in that movement. And I believe, I looked it up on the internet because you can find everything. I found documents um, there in the Reagan library of his and my mom's letters. And, Mm. um, and I think, you know, the nation of Israel was really reuniting um, their people. And that was really a miracle in itself that that was the only reason that we could leave. And once we were outside the borders, I remember we were in on a train um, and we were going through Czechoslovakia and it was still Czechoslovakia at the time. And, um, we got through there, we got to Austria and in Austria it was middle of the night train stopped and we get off the train. They hurry, hurry, get off, get off, get off. You have 10 minutes to get off. And it's just like the scramble and these, this group of people surround us. And I, as a kid, I remember like their leather jackets. They had these, this, this long hair, um, German shepherd dogs. And I remember like a gun <laughs> and you know, you're not, you don't speak the language, you know, at this now I'm reflecting it and asking my parents, what were you doing? You had three kids, these little kids, you know, eight, eight and under. And, um, they just had to trust that these people were who they said they were, even though you didn't know anything. And instead of going, then moving on to Israel, um, we got set up in a, like an old abandoned hotel. We spent a couple of weeks in Austria. Then we were moved to Italy. Remember there were two hotels, like buildings. Um, I think I want to say there was three families and like one room, they gave you a stipend. Um, later on in life, I realized my parents told me they had to pay back, you know, for the, the food or um, the airplane ticket. And then you just sat there in Italy and waited to be vetted by the American embassy and had a meeting to go through, you know, to sit, to re, uh, figure out you are who you are, what was your experience. And um, we finally were accepted to come to the U.S. And I remember the uh, plane ride into, we landed at JFK and when the plane uh, passed the Statue of Liberty, oh, every time I want to cry about this, but I think the plane had a lot of refugees and just the, as a child to feel like the roar um, of the excitement. Cause it's literally for the, for us, it was an impossible dream. Were people so. cheering at that time on the plane or what? Yeah. Crying, cheering. Were you scared at those moments when you got off the train? Like I can imagine I have a nine-year-old. If we go to Wisconsin, you know, on a road trip, you know, there's, there's some trepidation that we're going somewhere new. And what you went through is way more scary, you know, from, from 
you know, looking back, but when you're going through it, it may not feel that scary. I don't know. What was your, what was your thought at the time when you were going through it? Yeah. I, I don't remember being scared. I think because our hope and our dream was so big mm. that over like that overpowered any like shadow or doubt. And I had my family there. So I knew, I think from an early age, um, that I concept of the world was so big because we were on far East Russia on the sea of Japan to go across 13 time zones to Moscow, then across Europe, then to the East coast. My idea of the world was so big, but I knew that no matter where we were, as long as we had our family and our faith, we were taken care yeah. of. And I think that's what actually got me through last year in the pandemic. It's like, Alex, you were there and you're the only employee left here during that time. Like there wasn't like that angst, right? Like we just knew like somehow things were going to end up okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just felt like make a plan and we're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. It's pretty amazing. I really appreciate you sharing that story. And um, I kind of want to contrast uh, Russia mm -hmm. as, as going to the dentist versus mm -hmm. U.S. going to the dentist. Oh, yeah. I can tell you about it. <laughs> so give me the... Yeah, the I, I was eight years old when I said I wanted to be a dentist. And that's because one of my most vivid, vivid memories was going to the dentist in Russia and or Soviet Union. And it was terrible. We waited in line for hours and hours. My aunt took me. I probably was a bratty kid, but I remember crying and there was no anesthetic. They were not nice. Got told to go home. I do remember coming home and like thinking I got out of it and I was jumping on the bed. But um, coming to the U.S., um, as soon as we came here, uh, on the where we ended up, there was churches that sponsored families. And so we had this point of contact named Tim. And Tim took us to all of our doctor's visits, dentists, you know, our vaccinations. And uh, I vividly remember the dentist. And the lady was so nice. And um, that really, I think, kind of set that idea that that's what I wanted to do. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And Alex. I'm going to ask you, um, talk about the office and are there any specialties? Um, what should people know about the office? Yeah. I mean, with the dentist off main, we are always aiming to improve the patient experience. And so even, you know, we're talking, we actually had our annual planning session a couple weeks ago and just looking back over the last few years and the growth that we've had, um, you know, one of the things that we're still working on, we've tried from time to time. Um, but eventually we really do want to bring uh, specialists in. We've had a pediatric specialist here for a while. Um, she followed her husband down to Arizona for his residency for orthodontics that he's doing. We've also had a periodontist. Um, so it is, I think, especially with our area, we really want to bring those things to our patients. We're in a place that they feel comfortable, that they already know, they trust the providers. We're not sending them out to these other offices. So um, yeah, it's still something we're still, we've been working on and we've done a little bit and we've, we'd like to do, but, um, yeah, our associate right now is actually going through a program to uh, place implants. So we'll be excited to be able to offer that, um, this coming summer, she'll be done with her program. So and I think as we grow these programs and the scope of, uh, work and, uh, healthcare that we provide, you're, you're, you're built building on that business. You're building on those processes. And I think in the beginning, it was more of like, 
uh, you know, based on like team. And now as we have these doctors, some of them have come and got on, realized even doctors need, need processes to understand how practices run. Totally. It's funny because you, you talk about when you were eight, you wanted to be a dentist. My dad yeah. is just as strange as you, I guess, because he said he, when he was in third grade, he knew he wanted to be a dentist. Go figure. I don't know. A bunch. <laughs> but um, how did you discover Sweet Process? We discovered Sweet Process. So we follow the EOS business model. We've been doing that for about two and a half years. And our implementer, Eric, um, we always feel like he always has like a little tidbit for us at every new meeting. And sometimes we always question, we're like, oh, we don't really need that. Cause we And any, any new it. struggle, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he actually introduced us to a D um, through, uh, what's her business? A business consultant. I know a D. Yeah. yeah. She's great. Oh my gosh. When we met her, I don't know what it was, but it was like this instant connection of like, she just, I don't know. She was just so amazing. And so yeah, Eric introduced us to a D and a D got us going with sweet process and it was just what we needed um, to kind of make that connection. We've kind of started documenting processes, but then where, where do you go when it's in a word document, then what happens, mm -hmm. you know, how do you make sure that it's followed by all and honest, but really we, we, we started the process with her, but we didn't dive in so deep until the pandemic hit mm -hmm. and then we were shut down. And then that idea of coming back without clear processes when, you know, the scary, you know, viruses out there, that's when it really like solidified that we literally cannot work without systems and processes that are by all. We needed our whole team to be on board. So that really, the pandemic and having, because there's a whole new set of processes and systems that come with that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We actually had a two week training when we came back because there's so much that had to change in the way that we were doing things pre COVID. Mm -hmm. What's an example of a critical process that you put in place? And, and obviously when you have a, something that's followed, um, you have to make sure it's followed. Um, what was a critical system post pandemic when coming back that you're like, this is essential. It can't be missed. And it's also probably in your process so that no one misses it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you're on the clinical side of things, mm -hmm. but I would say what really changed for the clinical staff was the whole like setup and takedown of their room, the decontamination, the new PPE, like that mm -hmm. was totally different. Screening how the patients entered and left and the timing in between. I mean, it was something that we took for granted prior to down that, you know, whether it's, the jacket that we would wear with multiple patients to, so, you know, now it's like all we saw was red <laughs> everywhere. And it was a lot of fear and anxiety on for, for the team, for me as the owner, as you, you as the leader of, of, you know, the practice. And, and I think from the patient standpoint, so I think that that process alone really helped to set some like really good, benchmarks for us, uh, training processes. Um, it, when it's followed by all, really, when you identify your process, it can really identify some gaps 
than your business structure or model. And, uh, and I think it also helps to identify those team members that want to follow and that don't. Yeah. People sometimes get stuck in their ways of the way they do things, but you know, when you probably document out a system, those things make sure nothing is missed. Mm -hmm. um, talk about, you know, usually I'll ask about common questions you had in the beginning and, and the conversation is a little bit different because you had a D who's like, this is what, what I recommend using, but what were your initial common, you know, the questions you had with her, because it's still, you still have to implement it. Right. And there's still some, I don't know, friction of doing something new when there's a way that you're used to doing it. So what were some of the common questions you had that you wanted to make sure was there in this system with using sweet process? I mean, I think with a D, she really helped us to identify, it was like, where do we even start? Because mm -hmm. it can feel overwhelming when you're like, well, I need to document all the processes, all of them at the same time. And so she was really good about helping us dial in, like, let's just focus on like, what's the patient journey from the time that they walk in for an appointment until they walk out. Let's focus on that part. And then you can expand into the other areas um, of the business. But that really helped us to um, kind of identify what areas we could start with and with our leadership team, because we had someone from hygiene, we have someone from assisting, we have a couple people from the front. We were kind of each able to take on these different areas um, and focus on getting the, those main processes documented. We did talk to her about, you know, do we start with one process and walk through it in kind of detail and get it done really well? Um, or do you do kind of a general like outline? And for us, because we had a leadership team and we had been struggling for, for a year and a half of how do we identify, how do we document, how do we train, how do we keep people accountable on it? Um, I think for us, we had already started this patient journey in the sense of their treatment planning that, that it made sense for our practice to come up with like, it's like a skeletal structure of you know, patient touch points. And we thought of it kind of like COVID. What is the patient going to touch and what are they going to say and who are they going to interact with? And so it helped us to dial in our processes too, because we wanted to see the patient and deliver the best care, the most comprehensive care in the most efficient amount of time with the least physical touch points. And that really helped us dial in and got a lot of like creative energy going and identifying the most important steps. Yeah. I love that. You know, basically mapping out the patient journey from, from a lot of different aspects. And what do you feel when you look at the systems and sweet process, what has been the, um, maybe the top couple impacts that you've seen from using it? I mean, I feel like just obviously with our staff who's had experience, I think most of them have found it very helpful especially with some of the changes, but with new staff that we've brought on since we've come back from COVID, they have said how much they have loved being able to have a tool that they can access easily. It's readily available. They can repeat tasks that can assign them tasks to review things. You know, just last week I had somebody that I said, Hey, you know, this area, um, you know, the timing is just not quite right. Can you go back? I'm going to assign you this task, you know, this process is a task. I want you to review this part of it. Um, again. And so being able to use it in a training aspect has been very mm -hmm. beneficial. 
Uh, we even had a prior, and a great clinical example, prior to the shutdown, I had this intern. She um, was in assisting program and I was just kind of slow getting her in the chair. You know, we're all busy and um, just. It's hard. It's hard training when you are, you have your hands in people's mouths and you're seeing yeah. patients and there's, it's fast paced. And to be able to explain everything verbally and it was just time consuming. Well, uh, after once we came back, uh, there was a need and we had some there was some change in a couple of positions. And I really needed this intern to really kind of jump in. And this week we had the speed process. Now, here's the same person, same intern, pre-COVID, same intern post-COVID shutdown. And I mean, within a month, she got the systems and processes. It's not that she changed and it's not that I changed. We just use a different tool mm. to help her learn. And, you know, for some, the process might have been like, this is too much. But for her, she wanted to learn and she wanted to grow. And it was amazing to see that transformation, the growth in a single person, same person, same situation. Yeah, because you had it there, so it didn't depend on your time anymore as much to explain every step. It was there, and then she could also observe and and just pick it up quicker. Yes. Love it. How has it changed both of your typical days, would you say? I mean, for me, with that training aspect, so I'm the office manager, but currently, we're going through some growth in the business where we have some new business ventures, um, you know, coming up. And so my focus has kind of uh, been needed elsewhere. So with the training, I mean, that has been, you know, I spend a few days, a couple of days with somebody when they first come on and we have a wonderful, like supportive staff that helps, helps each other out. But having those tools to be able to have them review the processes um, while they're working on things has been huge uh, to take some of that training aspect off of my plate. Um, we share an office. And so from my perspective, um, there's a lot of monkeys, like a lot of problems that end up in our office and doctor this and Alex that. And one of the things that I think you and I have gotten really good at is um, when those problems or issues and issues are, they're not bad things they are important things to discuss. They come up we'll kind of look at each other and say, was this in a process? Do we have a process for it? So it no longer becomes a people issue. It becomes, do we have a process? Have we trained on it? And instead of just sitting and talking and venting and coming, you know, we're like, okay, let's open up sweet process and let's dive in there. And even if we can't get to it, then we go in and we, we actually will commit, we'll get into the software and actually create something so we can get back to it later when we have the time. First of all, I have one last question for both of you, but thank you. And I want to point people towards your website and they can check it out at thedentistoffmain.com. Are there any other places we should point people towards online that yeah. should, they can learn more? Um, well, our new venture is we're in, going to be launching a second location this summer and it's called the aestheticexperience.com. And aesthetic is spelled with an A. And it's just our landing page now, but we're growing and we're going to be dupl duplicating, replicating systems and processes. And we definitely, and there's going to be some new processes there. And we plan on using the sweet process, you know, to, to document and track. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that's very exciting. Congratulations. My last question to both of you is, someone's listening to this, they're looking to streamline their operations. What's, as you think of your documenting, streamlining journey, what's the next step that someone listening should take to start to streamline operations? I think, you know, we really, after talking with the D, felt like Sweet Process was the right tool for us. I, I think in that first initial phase, having her to help walk us through that was essential to get us started because sometimes you can feel overwhelmed when you're first starting. I think she was essential to getting us going. Um, but I think for us too, it's having the teammates that doctor doesn't feel like she has to document all these processes. She and I are able to delegate those to other uh, staff members to actually create some processes and then request our approval, which is huge just to get something going and in there and then we can kind of collaborate and work together um, to dig down in. But I, I think another um, recommendation of Eric most recently, because I don't know, whatever I'm reading at the time, I'm like, oh, I'm passionate about it. But um, there's a book called The Humble Inquiry. So I'd say if you want to take that first step, um, meet with your team. If you're struggling with them or if you feel like you're the big, bad jerk and, you know, you're always kind of hard, you're hard on them, things or deadlines are missed or processes are not done to the detail, I would say take a step back, ask to meet virtually in person or six feet apart nowadays and humbly inquire from them, you know, humble and great. Where are we missing the mark? I want to communicate with you and I, we, I want to do this well with you. And I would say, see which ones of your team members are open to it and take that 14 day free trial and explore it. And if you need a coach, we are big fans of coaches and personal coaching and business coaching. But um, I would say that would be my recommendation is find a couple of key team members um, on your team that want to do this with you because you can't do it alone, but you can start identifying maybe the, where are the most problems and maybe start with that process first. So document one process. Mm -hmm. Thank you both. Everyone check out thedentistoffmain.com. Check out more episodes. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of you know, the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.